the Midnight Breakfast Cafe, where three pals in different time zones talk about food, pop culture, and other nonsense. I'm Tracy. I'm Natalie. And I'm Stacy. Is Thor still, like, a relevant topic? Actually, I just heard a podcast where they reviewed Thor, and as a joke, kind of pretended that it was more timely than it was, so I think if they can do it, then so can we. (laughs) I feel like Chris Hemsworth's muscles are always relevant. So I watched it with my two sisters, and one of my sisters has not watched most of the Marvel films. She was like, this movie made no sense whatsoever. (laughs) What is going on here? What is happening? Yes, in a way, she is kind of correct. Like, Loki's enthusiasm when he sees um, the Hulk beat up Thor, it wouldn't quite make sense unless you had the context of he got beaten up the exact same way. But... I feel like it's still kind of understandable if you understand that these are two brothers who kind of beat each other up all the time. So he would just be happy if he saw anybody beating Thor up. Oh, and then the whole, like, Loki theater Odin scene just fell flat for her. She did not understand (laughs) what was going on. By the way, the actor in the scene who was playing, like, who was playing an actor playing Thor is actually a Hemsworth brother. Yeah, it's the Westworld one. What? Yeah, I just really like the idea of like, hey, like, you want to pretend to be your brother? Okay. I thought that was Matt Damon. He does look like Matt Damon, doesn't he? I was 100% sure that was Matt Damon. Wait, so, Tracy, you thought they were both Matt Damon? No, I had, I just scrambled the scene in my head, and the only person I recognized of that crew was Matt Damon, and I was like, is that, is it really? And that was my one no, I think that would be amazing if all three were played by Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> he is a very versatile actor. I'll give him that. <laughs> so yeah, like the full Matt Damon Marvel movie experience, which really could be like a lesser X-Men, like multiple man. And it's like, just no explanation. Every character in this movie is being played by Matt Damon. <laughs> you could come up with a reason for it. Or, like, maybe somebody's power is that they can only see copies of themselves. (laughs) I don't know. I'm getting off the rails on that one. But, yeah, I'm wondering, uh, I think from my perspective, if I had been able to see this without knowing any of the characters, it would indeed have been incomprehensible, but possibly in an appealing way. Because I'm always hoping for, like, dense sci-fi worlds where we're never even given a good introduction before being thrust into the middle of some action-adventure scenario, so you really get that sense of being in a lived-in world. So maybe that, uh, mm. it's, it's like your mileage may vary, but I think this would be a really fun movie to see if you didn't know any of the characters. And you're just like, wait, so he knows that green monster? Why is he a human man? I don't understand any of this. I wanted them to definitely spend more time in outer space. Yeah. Like, I thought the outer space parts were the best parts of the movie. Yeah, definitely. That's such a cool angle from which to approach Thor. Like, even in the comics, sometimes I think they don't really come at the alien angle of Thor. It's more like, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's like, it's very mythology flavored. Um, but I like it when it's mythology plus space. And I also have a real soft spot for, like, 90s space punk with that heavy synthesizer space punk music vibe. So how, how would you define space punk? That's a word that I had not heard until... I think Thor came out. What does that entail as an aesthetic? Every computer or video game from the 90s that was about outer space. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit of a retro vibe. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like the retro space punk vibe. So where does the word punk come from? <laughs> like, why is it? Is it like space punk, like steampunk? But punk has nothing to do with like the musical genre? Yes. More like punk and attitude than punk and music. I'm pretty sure was the origin. Right, because there oh. was also like cyberpunk was a big thing in the 90s as well. Right. I don't Okay. Maybe one of these originally had a closer tie to actual punk, but after a while it just became like that was your way to say there's a little spin on it. It was basically in a very long music video for Daft Punk. <laughs> Speaking of which, have you guys watched Interstellar 555? I have, yeah. No. Back in the day. What is that? Oh, Natalie. It's the Daft I Punk anime movie. Yeah. I feel like that is the quintessential depiction of space punk. Right, and if you liked this Thor movie, I think you would get a kick out of that. There's a lot in common <laughs> in terms of just the general vibe. And you get the Daft Punk yeah. music all throughout, so. Which, speaking of music, I loved the music in this movie. Like, the soundtrack was amazing. It just sounded like the soundtrack of every space punk video game from the 90s. Well, when you say, like, I love the music, there are just, like, two things that I liked the best about music, and neither of them are, like, particularly highbrow. <laughs> it's like the Willy Wonka theme when Thor is going through the tunnel. Yeah, and, I like that, too. And it's also, like, I'm not even sure if this is music, but it's, like, it's my birthday. Oh, my God, that was the funniest scene in the movie. I love that scene. <laughs> They made me laugh for, like, moments after the scene had already ended. I was still thinking about it. It's my birthday. But, um, okay, those are both great moments, for sure. But I guess as a fan of electronic music, what really got me was just a kickin' soundtrack. Like, I've already listened yes. to the soundtrack of this movie very often while working, because this style of music, for me, is the perfect work music. It doesn't have any lyrics to distract you while you're busy thinking of stuff, but it's got, like, a beat that makes you attentive, and it's got good use of, I guess, Guardians of the Galaxy style rock songs. Like, it has an appropriate tone and it fits in with this vibe of like, we need to put something in here that people recognize, but is also super exciting to put over an action sequence. The Immigrant song was used really masterfully, I think, for Thor's um, opening fight scene. Right. And I'm just a big sucker for anything with a heavy synth um, bass. I mean, I know a lot of people speak deprecatingly of synth because it's, like, very much um, aligned with the 80s and the 90s. Not on the show. Like, so what? It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, this is a synth home. Yeah. If we could, I would lay a synth bass track on our podcast <laughs> if I knew how to. <laughs> Am I the only one who thought the first battle scene with the, the guy with the, whatever, what is it, the guy with the big eyebrow? As Thor refers to him, and uh, it's like an eyebrow slash. Yeah, like horns. I felt that scene was like too long, and I felt like the battle scene with Hela was also too long, and they could have cut that down because after a while, it's like, yeah, guys, we got it. This was like a quarter of your budget. <laughs> huh? I I like watching people get beaten up, so. Well, no, I, I do feel you. I think I would agree. Just because 
Uh, I'm interested in fights only if the opponents are kind of equally disadvantaged or yeah. if there's like a chance of one might win or the other might win. But Hela is too good. So to just watch her like mow down the poor citizens of Asgard was just meh. Like it wasn't that it was a bad yeah. scene. It was just that, yeah, it could have been cut shorter. And by the way, my one qualm with this movie is just the complete discardment of the Warriors 3 for no reason. They're just like, you dead, <gasps> you dead, you dead. That's it. On to the action. It's like, you didn't even give them a good death. Right, Sif wasn't in the movie. Yeah, they didn't even have a chance to actually fight. They were just like, oh, hi, it's Hela. And they, they were immediately stabbed. Oh, the Asian guy lasted for a while. Yeah, he lasted the longest. Really, what should have happened yeah. is, like, there should have been a scene where they see Heimdall and he's like, come with me. And they all get rounded up to the caves. But I guess that would have been, like, a cowardly thing for them to do rather than fight with the other warriors. I don't know. I just didn't want them all to die like that. But. <sighs> oh, and another thing that bothered me, I don't know about you guys, was the utter disregard for actual Norse mythology. <laughs> I didn't care about that one bit. I mean, this is sci-fi world. It's like they're inspired by mythology, but they are not beholden to it in any sense. Uh, I guess, but it's just like, it was just annoying for me because I'm just like, I was going into this movie wondering how they are, how are they going to explain the existence of Hela, who, according to N Norse mythology, is Loki's daughter. I thought it was his wife. Or No, his wife's name is, um, oh, I forgot how it's actually pronounced, but it means... Her name means faithful, and I think she's also a giant. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Because, yeah, I read Neil Gaiman's North Mythology recently, and I think I was aware of the upcoming Thor movie at that point, and I was like, really? Is that what they're going to do? And even then, it seemed unlikely that that was going to be how they approached... I was, like, really looking forward to something like that. Right, it would have been interesting for him to, I guess, describe what led to that, but... Maybe ultimately it would have been a distraction <laughs> because they wanted to do this whole backstory about how Asgard was once a brutal place, but then it calmed down. Yeah. Mm. So I watched this movie twice, and then the first time I watched it, I like could not enjoy the the garbage planet at all because I was so anxious that Hela was just genociding Asgard. Ah. Uh um Then I watched it a second time, and then I knew that you know Asgard was gonna be fine. And then it was, like, a lot more enjoyable. But I was just wondering if you guys also felt anxiety for Asgard, or if you're like, this is a Marvel movie, so everyone is going to be okay. I actually did feel some anxiety, and it's funny that you mentioned that, because I wouldn't have remembered it otherwise. But I think because they never showed her doing anything but just just slaughtering people or causing mayhem of some kind, like, if there had been a scene where she's like, and now I will rest... Then they could have gone to Garbage Planet and I would have been like, okay, I can enjoy some of these shenanigans while she's eating her grapes and watching plays. But I think I was fine because we mostly saw her taking down the army, but it was just kind of like as long as the other people didn't actually try and defy her, she needed somebody to roll over. But they were eluding her. Like they were definitely, she was going after them, so... I don't know if I thought that she could just find them at any time like she ended up doing or if like she was just killing anyone who wasn't going there, but it really did feel like she was killing everybody in Asgard. Um, but I think Hela is that anime-style villain where it's like she represents a, a being that cannot really be conquered until the point where she can be conquered. So mm -hmm. like I knew it was going to be okay in the end, 
So I knew it was going to be okay. I also did not understand her helmet logic. Like, oh, right. you know, if she's going to keep on putting on her helmet, why didn't she just keep it on? <laughs> I thought her helmet was her hair. Like, kind of like the character Lust oh, yeah. in Fullmetal Alchemist. Where, maybe not Lust specifically, but, like, Lust had the ability to, like, lengthen her fingernails. Oh, yeah. to, so like, wait, was this helmet people? part of Hela's head? I thought basically it's her hair. Uh, I'm just thinking about poor Kate Blanchett, and every time they have to do that transformation, they had to take her out of the scene and put her hair under, like, a a bright green cap or something. <laughs> yeah. And then she just had to, like... So I'm like, did they keep on doing that because the giant green foamy thing was, like, too heavy? Or maybe they, should, they just put her in a skull cap the whole time. Oh, and then maybe they tested it amongst audiences and they're like no we got to make hella sexy we got to make hella hella sexy sometimes or it's just like too <laughs> off-putting <laughs> oh yeah. hella sexy now has new meaning like is she hella sexy or is she hella hella, hella sexy. sexy helmet i'm working on a tongue twister here oh yeah <laughs> that's super sexy uh hella hella sexy helmet Wait, no. <laughs> I mean, that was a good helmet. And I thought that it worked well as sort of hmm. when you saw the helmet come out, then you know things are about to happen. Like it was sort of a, a little moment of hmm. badassdom for her character. But yeah, it's... I heard that... I heard something about that helmet. Like it was originally bigger and they had to tone it down. Or it was originally smaller and they had to make it more absurd. I don't remember which it was. <laughs> By the way, I was also very upset that there was no world tree. Like, there was no oh, new yeah. drizzle in Asgard. There was no big tree and no big dragon under the tree. Like, where's Needhog? Like, he's supposed to devour the tree when Ragnarok happened. And Fenrir was, was supposed to eat the sun. Where are all my elements? I suppose that, you know, I say that this is totally divorced from actual mythology, but it includes just enough things that it whets your appetite. Like, I was pretty excited when I saw Fenrir come out. I didn't know that he was a part of us. So, yeah, when they're mentioning Ragnarok, you're kind of like... Yeah, but he didn't do the things that he was supposed to do. Right, exactly, but, like, you're, you get set up for it, and you're you're wondering how far they'll go with it. Um, so when they start talking about Ragnarok, you're like, okay, so what, what vein of Ragnarok is this, pray tell? I think it's best when you take it as a separate thing. It just eases the brain. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, even uh, beyond Asgard, I really like the society they created for Garbage Planet, which its real name I cannot remember. <laughs> but um, it's just such like as soon as I saw it, and it just looked like a bunch of like a robot graveyard, and which was teeming with little scavengers. I thought this is the perfect place for a movie. I could take three more movies set on that planet. The name of the planet Earth sounds like a board game. What is it? What is another name for like Catan? Oh, you're thinking of, like, Carcassonne? Yeah. The planet is called Sakar. Oh, okay. Does sound like a board game. But yeah, actually, the the planet, sort of the, the vibe of the planet reminded me of some of the aspects of the new Blade Runner movie, in terms of the type of wasteland that he finds himself in at certain points. But this version is just so colorful and jaunty compared to anything in Blade Runner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, a combination of the two movies would be, to me, the perfect movie, maybe, but, um, yeah, Jeff Goldblum in this movie, 
just A plus. A plus peak yeah. Jeff Goldblum. I missed him so much. I, I didn't even I know. I never really understood why he was like such a cult favorite on the internet until I watched this movie and I'm like, oh, I get it now. I totally get it now. It's because at one point he didn't know. He didn't know he was Jeff Goldblum. But now he's figured it out and his life is perfect. Oh. Like I saw the trailer for the new Jurassic Park movie. I was like, this this just, I don't know what to do with this information. And then Jeff Goldblum appears, and I was like, oh, he is? I know what to do with him now. Uh, yes, he's so returning. He basically, he had to come into his Jeff Goldblumness. Yeah. Exactly. I totally have to watch this movie now. I was <laughs> not going to because the first one was such a disappointment. Yes. Where it was like they, like, depratted Chris Pratt. <laughs> yeah i know what you mean but i was not even planning to think about this movie ever again until i saw jeff goldblum in the trailer and now i'm like you know what if you deliver on this promise i'll be there is he still in the black leather jacket ah <sighs> i cannot recall i don't know if he's playing the same character because oh. i don't think the two worlds make sense together like does the original Jurassic Park take place in Jurassic but World remember, timeline? They found the Jeep from the original Jurassic Park movie. Oh, but I didn't know if that was like a cameo Jeep. Like, you know, they put it there as a joke, but we weren't meant to assume. I, I don't know, though. Maybe. Maybe it was the all. The presence it all... there opens the door to like these fan possibilities, though. I guess it depends right. on what kind of character Jeff Goldblum would play. But Jeff Goldblum, like, in the original Jurassic Park was super weird because he was, like, a chaos theory guy. Yeah. And he was just, like, a <laughs> random consultant, like, in Jurassic Park. Yeah. yeah. But I like the idea that they would sort of bring him in, not because he's playing the same character, but just because he is spiritually a part of the Jurassic Park franchise. Like, that's the type of attention to detail but I like I to see. I don't know. I just, for me, Jurassic Park is always about Sam Neill. That's true. But is he cool these days? What is... Is he, was he ever like, up cool, for being? <laughs> <laughs> I liked him when I was a kid. He was in the Merlin miniseries. He hasn't achieved that self-awareness that it uh -huh. takes to return to a role like this. Maybe. And, like, Laura Dern isn't Star Wars, so she has come into her I mean, own I in a new way. I mean, I love Sam Neill, but you're right. He doesn't have that cult status. He was in that, like, a search or hunt for the wilder people. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was good in that. I take it back, Sam Neill. I love you. <laughs> but that's not, like, a... That's not a goofy role. He's playing a real dude. He's playing a real dude with, like, his own Has personality. Has he played a goofy role? One could um, argue that Merlin was a wacky role. Or at least it was a he wacky He played movie. it very straight. Right. <laughs> I, I was just saying that was a weird, weird miniseries, like, looking back on it. You're like, well, yeah. none of this made sense. Well, none of the Arthurian legends make sense. Have you That's watched true. Guy Ritchie's version of the King Arthur story? No. No. Should I? Oh, it's so good. Really? I just assumed like, it would be. Like, it's batshit crazy, but it's, it's, it's pretty good. So you're saying it's so bad it's, it's like, good, or it's actual good? It's like it's exactly what you would imagine Guy Ritchie's movie version of King Arthur would look like. <laughs> so, is there modern music and lots of violence? It's got a lot of violin music, and it's got a lot of the like montage scenes, and like Arthur grows up in the street. He's like Cockney before there was even Cockney, <laughs> and then there's also the use of like slow mo interspersed with like sped up scenes. So it's like 
Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes, but about King Arthur instead. <laughs> and he's really yeah. pro, like, working class, and he looks down on, like, the elite. He's like, yeah, like, you guys think you're smart, but really, you're, like, you're suffering from an education. Like, you're too well-educated to understand what's really going on. Is Jude Law good in it? Oh, yeah, he's really good in it. He's the villain. I was watching The Young Pope, and I was like, that Jude Law, man, like... He's pretty good. I thought he wasn't pretty good because he did, like, all these romantic comedies. But he's, like, a really good, really good at portraying, like, complicated assholes. Yeah. Yeah. You should watch the movie Elfie. Oh, I watched that. He is an asshole in that movie. But, like, he's also the title character and you're like, huh, like, you're an asshole, but I do kind of want good things for you, Elfie. I don't yeah. know about that. When he got shot, I was like, good riddance. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you know perfectly well what you're going to get in a Guy Ritchie movie, and it's fun. How does it look? Like, is it kind of like they spent big money on this, or is it like... Oh, yeah. They spent big money on this. If you took, like, Sherlock Holmes and combined it with the TV show Rome... And like smash them together. Cool. It does sound kind of exciting. I think the problem with it was that all the posters just look like big like gray rectangles. And I didn't actually notice that it had come out. Like I wanted the movie (laughs) to be colorful a little bit. That's the thing is so many of these gray period pieces came out kind of one right after the other. Possibly following Gladiator even. Like this has been a 10, 20 year process. And now we see Thor which is colorful and bright like a candy bar. And I realized I don't have to watch a gray movie ever again. I can watch only colorful candy bar movies. So if you want to make a period piece, maybe have them do something exciting and wear some exciting costumes and I'll come back. Yeah. I feel like, you know, they could have done better advertising for this movie. Like more, like more scenes of Charlie Hunnam shirtless doing training montages in the trailers. (laughs) And especially also highlight the fact that there's a Chinese man teaching people Kung Fu, and his name is George. (laughs) I have no idea, but I love that little detail. Like, oh yeah, it's George's, like, training training class. And he's teaching people Kung Fu. And it's like, you look at George and you're like, but he's Chinese. (laughs) How is the King Arthur guy? Like, is he... Because I don't... I have no impression of Charlie... What is his name? I have no idea. I've been pronouncing it Hunnam. Maybe it's Hunnam. Uh, I didn't. I didn't find him particularly memorable in Pacific Rim. He's like the main guy, right? Oh yeah. You know he's just compatible with with Marco. everybody apparently. <laughs> yes. He's even drift compatible with himself. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I love this movie so much. (laughs) But, I mean, (laughs) he reminds me of another actor, but I can't tell you which actor it is. It's all the others, the blonde ones. He looks the same to (laughs) me as every other blonde actor. Like, when you were talking about him, I'm like, maybe if I think about this hard enough, I can figure out who you're talking about. And all that popped into my head was, like, Matt Damon. (laughs) It's just Matt Damon. (laughs) But I feel like, you know, he's, he has more of a personality in this movie, and he's shirtless quite often, so I think that's a huge plus in his favor. 
I mean, I think it's more fun to watch Jude Law be evil. I don't it's think true. he's allowed the opportunity to be evil enough. Yeah, I feel like he's moving. This is like a well, way better part of his career. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> in each of your opinions, what is peak Jude Law? Or what is your favorite Jude Law? My favorite Jude Law is Watson in Sherlock Holmes. Oh, right. Hmm. I like him with the mustache. I guess, like, the one thing that sticks out uh, of this list to me is Closer, a movie that I legitimately hate. Ah. But he's really good. My favorite asshole Jude Law is in the movie Closer. But everyone's an asshole in that movie. Exactly. It is a movie about assholes. Yeah. We've really gotten down a Jude Law pit. I don't know how we did this <laughs> because Jude Law is not in Thor. <laughs> but we started with Sam Neill and then we branched off, got onto Jude Law. But Sam Neill also Sam isn't Neil in Thor. Again. He is. <laughs> He's fake Odin. <laughs> what? Oh, right. Damn. Okay. Foiled again. <laughs> I feel like Jeff Goldblum is truly to blame here. <laughs> He's an agent of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> I just like to imagine the part where Loki first arrives and has to get in good with Jeff Goldblum's guys because you never see that part really. And I felt like that would have been a fun after the credits scene. It's just like an extended cut of Loki kind of schmoozing and becoming friends with this guy he just met. And all of his party yeah. people. Um, because I, I like that they just take for granted that we know he can do this. Like, obviously, he would have no trouble with that, such a thing. But it would have been entertaining to watch. Yeah, yeah. I would have liked to know just exactly what he did to have the character of, like, the Grandmaster be like, Hey, this guy's cool and I want to keep him around. I imagine some sort of sexually compromising oh, thing. Oh, no, you went, <laughs> I wow. Mean, oh, my- no, I no. What I meant was something more of a like. He's like, oh, like you know, he happened to see Loki without his shirt off on, and he's like, oh, this is an attractive guy. I'm gonna keep him around. You're coming at it from that fan fiction perspective. We got it. Oh yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why I would keep Loki around. <laughs> yeah, but he would just try to kill you all the time. I really like that snake Woody. bit. <laughs> that was one of my favorite jokes too it's like I really like snakes so I'm going to pick it up <laughs> yeah I thought the humor in this movie was really I mean this sounds like dumb to say but it was funny a lot of the other Marvel movies that kind of have a lot of jokes in them the jokes land like maybe one in three jokes at the rate that they're coming but like basically every joke in this movie I thought was really funny Yeah. so it It just felt like, I guess you could see the inspiration from uh, what we do in the shadows or Flight of the Concords. Mm -hmm. Like, I really liked how Thor is, like, dumb. Like, even when he's funny, he's still, like, kind of dumb. And then his manipulation of Bruce Banner slash the Hulk is basic and childish. But it's also still great. Overall, I really loved this movie. It's my favorite of the recent wave of Marvel movies. Like, the only one that kind of comes close is Spider-Man Homecoming, which I thought was really charming in its own way. Um, But I think even... It was adorable. Right. Even it was a little more textbook. And really what I love is an audacious movie. And this was one of the more audacious movies of the year. So, Eh, good job, friends. 
So what is the next Marvel movie? Oh, it's Black Panther, which I'm super excited about. Yes. Yes. I mean, I also kind of want to have a standalone Valkyrie movie, but that probably wouldn't really make sense. I think but it's I'm possible. I'm still excited about Black Panther. Yeah, Valkyrie, if she appears in the upcoming group movies, I think there's a chance for her to have a solo movie. Are we finally going to get that um, Black Widow standalone movie? I haven't heard anything about it. I think oh. I think it needs to happen, but I think Hollywood doesn't know it yet. They're having trouble. I don't know how they would do it because she's always been kind of a serious character. Yeah, and now they're like really uh, cashing in on their fun vibe, colorful candy. But she's not that character, so it would have to be a real... It would be like Atomic Blonde, but Atomic Redhead. That's your angle. I, I was thinking it could be like a modern adventure for Black Widow. It wouldn't be about her backstory. And it would just be about her kind of like picking up after everybody's messes. Yeah. I think it would work as a modern spin on like a noir spy movie. Ooh, yeah. Where like she's using her undercover skills. Yeah, so it's not so much a superhero movie. It's just like we know Black Widow hangs out with superheroes, so she's got these amazing capabilities. But the work she's doing right now is a little more low-key and maybe political. Which, you know, I'm not into a political movie, but she would be cool in it. Well, I will say that I can't wait for Wonder Woman 2 to come out. So DC will get my money there. Uh, I think it's set in the 80s. And we know that Chris Pine will come back for this movie, but wait, we don't know as No, what. he's... They can't undead him. Well, I didn't say they was going to undead him. I'm imagining some kind of shape-shifting creature gets a hold of her memories and is like, oh, you like this one, huh? I'm going to spend the whole movie looking like this. <laughs> I, I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> I like that idea. I would watch that. Patty Jenkins, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> please credit us. I don't need him to be in the new movie, though. Like, I'd rather see her with a whole crew of new people, maybe some of whom are love interests, maybe not. But more, yeah. more interestingly, they will be like... Uh, fresh people for her franchise. I mean, I like Chris Pine. Um, I don't object to him having more projects. I object. Fewer Chris's. More people with different hair. Please. He should totally be in the Star Wars franchise. When you said that, I thought he already was. But then <laughs> I couldn't remember. <laughs> I can't remember who I think he was. No, that's Star Trek. <laughs> No, oh, he's gosh. in the Star Trek franchise. I think it would be fun if the Star Wars franchise was like just like kind of like driving around in Hollywood where you're like, oh my god, another one. <laughs> <laughs> now I want there to be like some sort of movie, like kind of like um, the end of the world where every actor basically plays a fictional <laughs> version of themselves. And it turns out all the Hollywood Chris's were made in a lab somewhere. To generate the perfect leading man. It'd be like the Untouchables. Like, they have to find and recruit every Chris so that they can take down the government organization that is producing and abusing Chris's <laughs> all over the world. Yeah. And the Chris's all get free and go to an island and relax, and they don't have to be in Hollywood blockbusters anymore because they all have their own personalities. Right. Maybe it turns out, like, they're all called Chris's, but they're all short for, like, different <laughs> names. Like, one's Christian, and one's <laughs> Christopher, and one's Christoph. But they're like, no, but no, no, we're Chris. But there's some people who I categorize with the Chris's who are not, in fact, Chris's. 
Not that like I know Charlie their names Hunnam. because I think they're a Chris. Charlie Hunnam seems like yeah, he should exactly. be a Chris. Yeah, exactly. He's a Chris. He's got a CH name. It's close enough. Like, the, <laughs> should we count Christian Bale as a Chris? He's got too distinct a face. I, I always recognize Christian mm. Bale. He doesn't have that same real, I guess, mm-hmm. I don't know, just Chris' face is the face of a Hollywood leading man. Like, Christian Bale, to me, looks a little bit distinct Like, what about Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, yeah. Ryan Reynolds yeah. can be a Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I think Christian Grey can be a Chris. And not the actor. <laughs> but just Christian Grey. <laughs> I see that. I totally see that. I don't even remember the actor's <laughs> name. <laughs> he has a sweet face. <laughs> it's true. He, he doesn't have that, like, muscly blonde look, so he's not really a Chris. Well, he's kind of a wayward Chris. Like, they would find him in, like, stuck in a lab somewhere, and they're just like, oh no, they did something wrong to this Chris. <laughs> and they'll have to rehabilitate him and teach yeah. him how to be muscle man and... Maybe they will learn from yeah. him how to be more sexually open. Right. I don't know. <laughs> kind of like how Chris be Pratt also thing. had to come into his Christmas. That's true. He wasn't a natural yeah. Chris. He was an Andy before he became a Chris. <laughs> was oh, but the best parts Chris. about Chris Pratt are still the Andy parts. Or he would just be like a, I don't know, like a silicon mold of male attractiveness. Yeah, I do like that about him. Is that he's he looks a little more like a normal dude than the other Chris's. Yes, like, or at least you saw him as Andy, so you know it's physically possible. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is just like a variant that did more push-ups. Like he's not a he wasn't made with a Chris cookie cutter. He was like refined into a Chris, and that makes mm-hmm. him like, you know, better in a way, like more solidly Chris. Mm. I'm I'm really into this Chris. The identi- identifying of Chris's idea. Like, who else is a Chris? Who else could be a Chris? He's not really a Chris, but I think he was the predecessor to the Chris's, and that's Freddie Prince Jr. Mm. Oh. But how old is he now? Oh, 40s, I think. Chris's have come a long way. But I'm wondering... <laughs> I'm wondering if I think that, because Chris uh, Evans basically played a parody of Freddie Prince Jr. in Not Another Teen Movie. Is Paul Rudd a Chris? No, Paul Rudd is a Paul Rudd. He's a very okay. special, unique thing unto Yeah, himself. he looks distinct. Yeah. Okay, but the spinoff to the Chris movie can be the uh, Zoe Deschanel movie. <laughs> because this is the other, this is the female equivalent to the people who I cannot tell apart. So... It's going to be, like, Zoe Deschanel, Anna Kendrick can come, too, Katy Perry, and, like, I, like ten other people who I have, over the years, named as Zoe Deschanel incorrectly. <laughs> um, and that's, like, the, the stinger at the end of the Chris movie. Is Emily they, Mortimer. Yeah. <laughs> they discover the Zoe Deschanel lab, and they're just like, <laughs> oh, no. And it's, like, cut to credits. And then next summer, we get the sequel. <laughs> uh, are we reaching our endpoint? Yeah. We're about at an hour 30 here. I actually did not talk about Christmas at all. No, that's okay. We got more on Thor and related topics. Christmas is basically we have a massive influx of Chrises. That's what Christmas is. Christmas. This should still be called our Christmas episode. Yeah. <laughs> Critical mass of Chrises. 
Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> May all your Chrises be merry and bright. Have you guys seen that really silly tweet of like a Christmas tree decorated with like pictures of Chris Pine's face and it's a Chris Pine? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Stupid, I love it. <laughs> Is Army Hammer a Chris? <laughs> no. Yes. What? No. No, Army Hammer, I legit can't tell apart from the Chris's, so he has to no, 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 be something it's very just a matter special of... in himself. Like, like <laughs> he can't be a Chris because he's not, like, popular enough in Hollywood. But, I mean, popularity is moot when they're all the same man. I see him, and I'm like, there's Chris again. No, because for one thing, he's, like, twice their height. And he's, like... I can't tell height, though. <laughs> and he's... No, Army Hammer, in my opinion, is, like, the human personification of one of those videos of a really large dog playing with a tiny kitten. What? He is the human personification of that, and I love him to pieces because he is, a, he is also an oversharer with no filter, and he's so good, and he's so pure... And that is why he can't really succeed in Hollywood. But do I really want him to succeed if to succeed he would have to stop being what he is? He's in the number one movie of the year. Yes, where he plays like Isn't a gay he? man. Isn't he? That's him, right? Yeah. Call Me By Your Name. Right. And in which, That's like, success. during an interview, the director basically said on tape they had to edit his balls out of the movie, like, digitally, because they were... A, his shorts were too short, and B, his balls are just too obvious. Why would why would the director do this? <laughs> this just sounds terrible. It, this if I am appalled. I am appalled at everybody involved in this story. I did not need to know about this. Oh, I needed to know about this. Now, I if I ever watch this movie, I will be way too focused on his short shorts. Oh no, I think you'd be more focused on the scene of him <laughs> about to eat a peach. No. Because, like, you know, like, how they said the Justice League and then, like, the uncanny mustache lip? <laughs> and now I'm going to think about the uncanny short shorts. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Were you noticing Gal Gadot's uncanny belly in Wonder Woman? She had an uncanny belly? No, I didn't oh, notice. Oh, they had to reshoot some of her scenes with a green screen literally over her stomach because she was five months pregnant at the time. Oh. I mean, I'm not usually gazing at stomachs in a movie like mm-hmm. that. I'm but, not usually gazing uh, not at, notice. you know, shorts, either. Hmm. Your mileage yeah. may vary. I mean, I definitely will be gazing <laughs> at his shorts in those movies, but just kind of in a <laughs> kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, before we head out, do we have any recommendations for this week? Yes. The movie The Man from Uncle. Since we are talking about Army Hammer and we brought out Henry Cavill's lip, I just want everybody to watch the movie The Man of Un- from Uncle if you haven't yet, because this movie is delightful. It's directed by Guy Ritchie, and I'm just appalled it didn't do better at the box office. Because it makes no sense. It doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> it has Army Hammer in it. With a Russian accent. It doesn't have to make sense. Okay. Um, well, this week, I would recommend the movie Lady Bird, which you maybe haven't heard of because it only has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, but I also liked it. <laughs> it's a movie it's about my childhood as a little Catholic okay. schoolgirl 
and it's got so many charming scenes about mother-daughter relationships and best friend relationships being tested by desires for boyfriends and just not knowing where you're going in life. I guess I could recommend The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm. I've Ah. been seeing a lot of articles about it, but I haven't read any of the articles yet or watched it. So what exactly is so delightful or marvelous about this? The main character is marvelous. She is, you know, like um, those like those candies that you dip in the fizzy powder and then you lick them and they make your mouth crackle. Mm, she's I like, like yeah, that. <sighs> like she's just this bright, <laughs> effervescent, probably pink flavored confection that just like blows up everything on screen. And like her, what a beautiful and her parents are great. And, like, her stand-up is pretty funny as well, but the episodes themselves are kind of uneven, and then there are some things that, like, plot-wise, you know, like, characters go through reversals, but you don't get to see the reversal because they're too busy, like, being extremely witty to kind of do as much work with the character as they could have. But she is, like marvelous and she's like a new year's sparkler and you should watch the show just to watch her Mm. yeah i think after this she's going places i mean i hope the show continues for many seasons but i also hope for success for her It's a good like sick day show because once you start thinking about it too much it, it stops making sense yeah but it's also really funny so it's like i don't know a lot of comedies don't make sense and they don't have to um, I just love everybody, and it's a real funny show, and also I like that it's got a vibe of, it's like a period movie, or a period show, so there's a lot of, like, music and kind of an image of the city that is old-timey, and I always appreciate that in a show. So we'll link all these things in the show notes if you want to watch them or read them or learn about Chris's that we know. Thanks for listening to Midnight Breakfast Cafe. To get the latest episodes, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app or follow us on Twitter at MBC Podcast. You can find links to things we mentioned this episode at midnightbreakfastcafe.wordpress.com. If you're enjoying this show, please like and review us on iTunes. It helps new listeners find us. Happy breakfast and brunch, everyone.